3: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, a
2: podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Mayberg. What's going on, Taylor? Hi, good to be here. Glad to join you again for another exciting episode. A lot of stardom to talk about this week. Yeah, I feel like we've
3: mostly been a stardom podcast for like two months now.
2: Well, when it's the promotion that runs the most shows... uh that's sometimes sometimes the way it goes. Yeah, well, it works out for me.
3: I'm much more knowledgeable about stardom than anything else, so <laughs> it helps, helps me. Uh, but this also is like an episode where, I mean, since we got kind of derailed by COVID and coming back, it's like this is an episode where we have several, well, maybe not several, but a handful of like really good shows to talk about. So I'm pretty excited about that.
2: Yeah, we got some big shows uh, that we mentioned last week but didn't air until uh the past two weeks. So, we have to talk about those and um based on uh, past experience and some comments from from you, Aaron, I think we're going to have some interesting debates about some of these uh shows and matches that are coming up. That's what I like to do. I like to uh provoke debate with you, Taylor. And uh but no,
3: I I you know, we just have some some differences of opinion when it comes to like very important stylistic things. And so it's,
2: there's nothing we can do about it really. And that's what makes the, uh, the whole thing interesting. If we just agreed with each other, that would probably be a very boring show. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So
3: we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, We're going to talk about on this show, the five-star Grand Prix, of course, the finals, we're recording this on Saturday. So as of recording, there were five matches up. So we haven't seen the whole show, but you know, we'll talk about the results. Uh, we're going to talk about the Oz Academy, August 28th show, Diana's August 30th show. Then we're going to talk about a lot of other shows, you know, uh, short form in our Spark Notes section. Uh, we're going to answer some listener questions. So hopefully you got a question in if you wanted. And if not, you know, we'll do this again in the future. And of course, the shows that are coming up. If you want to keep up with us on Twitter, we're at J Audio. I'm at Aaron like the car. Taylor is at Tay Mambo. Uh, please subscribe to the show so you get it on Mondays when it comes out. Uh, give us a rating. Give us a review if you use the Apple Podcasts app. And if you'd like to donate to the show, you can do so by going to redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. All right. First thing we're going to do is talk about the five-star Grand Prix. So it's over. And the big winner of the five-star, Utami Hayashishta. She defeated Himika in the finals, and I would just like to say that uh, that's the final that I predicted and the result that I predicted. You're a genius. I am. That's true. Thank you for acknowledging that. You're welcome. <laughs> well, let's before... Uh, yeah, let's just start there. Let's start there. Then we'll go back and talk about what else happened on this card. Uh, but apart from... Acknowledging my genius. Uh, what do you think about Utami being the winner here and going on? She announced uh, after that she will face the winner of Mayu Iwatani and Shuri, which is going to happen on the October 3rd Yokohama show. So what do you think about Utami winning this tournament?
2: I think it's a it's a good decision. You know, someone who is near, uh, I think as we've talked about before, sort of near the top of the card, but not at the top of the card. It's a It's a good win. Um, Sort of one tier below the sort of big hitters, you know, a Mayu who's already champion or someone like a Momo or something like that. So I think it's good. Uh, We had talked about beating Himika in the finals. Uh, We had thought that I think in the last, at least the last show, if not even the show before, uh, someone who could get a boost um, by getting into the finals, but also be all right with losing um, that final match. So, so overall, a very sort of, and I think sort of the whole um, tournament for the most part, very logically, I mean, looking back on it now, sort of very logically, not a huge surprise, um, not someone sort of out of left, not an out of left field uh, pick, at least for me. Um, so yeah, makes total sense. Um you know, a well-booked show, and hopefully it leads to a a good title match.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Hemica thing, I, I don't know that it would have felt out of left field, but certainly a surprise if at the beginning of the tournament I told you that she would score 11 points and make it to the final. So, you know, that was interesting, and that's something they often do in these is kind of not who you would expect ends up in the final to lose to the ultimate winner. But I think the tournament demonstrated how important it was for Utami to win this tournament. Because I know we talked about it before, that really you have Mayu as the ace. She is the only person in the promotion, uh, you know, for my money, who melds together being a great in-ring worker and also having the star charisma. Uh, She's just the only star in the promotion. I think by the end of this tournament, and I'll be interested to see if you agree with this, that uh, Julia has announced herself as putting together the charisma that she needs and being on on Mayu's heels uh, for being that second star in the promotion. I don't think she's there yet, but I think like for me after this tournament, there's no question in my mind that Julia is a huge star who's going to uh, help the promotion, you know, get back to where it needs to be. But Utami is someone who is obviously already a great worker, but doesn't really have that charisma doesn't really exude stardom. And I mean, stardom in like the non, not the name of the promotion uh, version. So I think having her win this, um, I would, I mean, frankly, I would probably go ahead and put the title on her and really try to run with her and see if she can get where she needs to be. But she's somebody who they desperately need to get up there. Because if if you look at this tournament, you see that they have people on the come up. Right, we saw Micah get a huge push in this tournament. We saw people like Sayakami Tani, who's you know below that Azumi, but they were getting highlighted, and you saw that they can be really good in the future. But they're going to have to bridge that gap, you know, unless Kyrie Hojo comes back. They have to bridge that gap between the stars they have now and the stars of the future. And uh, Utami is certainly a great way to do that.
2: Yeah, and I think that she's probably looking, even before the tournament, if you were to look at the list, sort of the person you would think of as closest to that level without being there would probably be Utami. Um, Obviously, you have people like Momo who held the title for a long time and Jungle who seemingly are sort of on the – in a way feel like they're on the other side of the hill. Um, Not that they're going to go down into the opening contest or anything like that, but they – to me, are the only two other people close to that level, but they feel like they already sort of bumped against the ceiling and are not on the upward trajectory anymore. Um, and then you have someone like Shiri, you don't know. She's still technically a freelancer. Um, so there are questions of, is she going to stick around for any certain amount of time? And then sort of that next level is a lot of people, as you mentioned you know, Micah or someone like, um, Himika or Azumi sort of people who are coming up, but still sort of feel to me as if they're in firmly sort of still in the middle, at least for me, and not to that level where winning the tournament gets them into this top level if they were to go on, win the tournament and maybe win the title, um, so yeah, I also really, I agree with you about Julia. I think that to me, she's a little bit more interesting now that she's gone into this tournament. You know, she didn't get to the final. she lost a few matches to me is much more interesting than this person who was just saying, Oh, I'm here. And Oh, by the way, I've won every single one of my matches. You know, there is a little bit of an interesting story to that, that you can tell for a while, but after, a certain period, I think you have to move sort of off that story and into sort of a new and different story that puts her into the official position that she'll be in the company. So I agree with you on Julia. Um, I think probably she's on that Utami sort of level. We're not quite at the top yet, but certainly very close and rising.
3: Okay, let's go through the matches from this show. And then if we have maybe comments on the people in each match, like their tournament or, you know, just anything about where they stand right now. I think this is a good place to talk about it. So the first match we had Shuri defeating Micah. And basically the idea here was that they were on, I believe they both had the same level of points, but they both had two matches on this show. So Micah needed to win Both her matches. She could win the tournament or she could win her block if she won both matches. Shuri also could win the block if she won both her matches. So uh, Shuri gets the win. I I mean, you kind of covered it with Shuri. Great worker. We just kind of don't know what her status is. Uh, You know, is she going to be around enough to really be a push commodity? Uh, As for Micah, got a push that I did not expect in this tournament. You know, the idea of her being in control of her own destiny going into the final night. Uh, It's not something I would have ever predicted. Uh, But I think she also like rose to the occasion. I thought she was very good in this tournament.
2: Yeah, I think that she's definitely taken leaps and bounds in ring. I think especially this match, uh, which is already out. So I did watch this match. I thought it was really good, a really fun match. I still am a little hesitant on the sort of charisma personality side of things, because to me, even in her own group in Donna Del Mundo, she feels like the least defined person in that group in terms of who she is outside of just sort of like, hey, I'm in this group and I'm going to beat you. Um, But the the in-ring definitely greatly improved for this tournament. uh, Still considering, I mean, I think she's still under 50 matches in her whole career. So definitely improving. That's a good sign. I just think That they need that sort of hook into her personality, whatever it is. You know, for someone like Himika, it was, it's sort of this sarcastic side that developed uh, to Himika. Um, So we'll see what happens there. But I think a very strong tournament. And as you said, probably the biggest, I mean, to me, the biggest surprise of the whole tournament. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and probably the biggest, I mean, Himeka
3: probably gets the biggest elevation from where she was before to after. But Micah, I think, is a more surprising elevation. So, well, obviously, it's just like a big tournament for Donna DeMondo, I guess. <laughs> uh, next up was Saya Kamitani defeating Starlight Kid. Uh, Kamitani got off to a pretty slow start in the tournament, but then she got a nice little run there at the end. I think she was highlighted pretty well. And got to show off what she can do. She's still you know, very inexperienced and kind of does a little too much at times. But I think that's okay. Uh, you can turn that down more easily than turning it up. And Kid, I, I'm like the low guy on Kid generally. And I thought
2: she was excellent in this tournament. I thought she did a really good job. That's funny. I was about to ask you about that because we've talked about this on the podcast. Uh, and I am, I don't know if I'm the high man on Kid. But I've always thought that she's really good on sort of the same level as Azumi, who gets a lot of hype. Um, I thought she was really good. I thought Saya is good. I still think, as you said, Aaron, still needs a little bit of time, uh, which just comes with that she's young. She just started. Still feels a little bit to me. You know, she's so athletic, but still feels to me like the movements in the ring are very sort of delineated still. You know, I'm going to run the ropes, and then I'm going to do – you know, um, cartwheel, and then I'm going to do a drop kick, whereas there will probably become a moment, hopefully. Um, and I would imagine this would happen where it all sort of becomes one string of things instead of this feeling of I'm doing a move, I'm doing a different move, I'm doing another move, you know, sort of not, not stuttering, but they feel sort of very separated now. And so she just needs some more time to develop sort of the, Ability to smooth it all out and make it all sort of one piece of, you know, the match.
3: Yeah, I think that's fair. She also needs
2: to stop screaming to sell. (laughs) Oh, I never I never mind. I never mind the screaming. I think I've I think partially I've sort of, you know, it's just become such a um, part of Joshi to me. And sometimes I watch things and other people watch and they're like, this screaming, this screaming. I'm like, oh, I don't even really think about the screaming anymore.
3: I don't know, I just think she's on another level of screaming. Uh, The other thing I'll say about Starlight Kid is I feel like, I mean, she ends this tournament on two points. I feel like she and Momo are like the big losers of the Bushi Road transition. Like, it seems like Rossi was much higher on both of them than, than Bushi Road is. And it just feels like she's really slotted way below a lot of people now. Where I thought, you know, it feels like uh, Azumi is on the on the upswing and is going to get that big push sooner rather than later. And I'm not sure I feel the same way about Kid anymore.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is a little bit, you know, you look and you go, uh uh-oh. But I mean, she is still very, very young, um, and hopefully, knock on wood, you know, you never know. And Joshi hopefully will have many years ahead of her. So you would hope that, you know, if it doesn't happen now or next year, it would happen the year after. Uh, but but yeah, I would agree. But I think I'm at the point now where I'm not super worried about it. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens, I guess.
3: After that was Julia defeating Death Yamasan. Uh, we talked about Julia's tournament, but I basically think she's just settled in. She feels so much more comfortable in the promotion and with herself and with her character. Uh, Death, man, she just did the same match uh, every night which I guess is fine. Uh, this, honestly, this was probably my second favorite death match of the tournament. Uh, also, on I was doing the daily audio updates on the Everything You Late Patreon, and I, I came up with this idea, Taylor. Let me know what you think about it. The queen of the death matches, it's a tournament where you wrestle, every wrestler on the roster wrestles Death Yamasan, and we decide at the end who had the best death match. <laughs> it's a great idea. <laughs> this, uh, the Mayu and death match was really good, I thought. And uh, this was probably my second favorite one. Just, I don't know, seeing Julia do a straight comedy match was funny. And she, like, did well in it, I thought. So this was really the match that cemented for me that Julia uh, is a big, huge star.
2: Yeah, I also did. I sort of uh, also enjoyed this match. The Mayu match was great. I enjoyed Julia adjusting the T-shirt on her own face in the middle of the match to make sure that she couldn't see. but sort of very casually, she's supposed to be fighting off the shirt that death is putting over her face and very casually just reaches up and adjusts it. Uh, reminiscent of another match this week, uh, the uh East Thunder Rosa match from AEW, <laughs> <laughs> where you just sort of break kayfabe to adjust whatever you need, whatever needs adjusting. Th- this uh, match I think was slightly more cooperative than that match. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, Death yama is interesting. I do sort of enjoy the gimmick. Uh, there is a part of me that um, sort of wishes that it would have been Kaori wrestling these matches because I think, I think she's super underrated. You know, she does a lot of these sort of comedy um, matches, type matches, especially here in Stardom where it's almost exclusively uh, comedy. But I think she's really underrated. I think she's really good in the ring, of course. The issue with that is then – She isn't sort of this easy um, loss post that you can give people two points with. So, you know, you saw a lot of very similar matches, but, you know, it is what it is.
3: Yeah, not only is it easy to beat her, but I feel like it's it didn't matter as much in this tournament, but it's kind of a night off, you know, for the other person. I think that helps as far as wear and tear on the body. Uh, Well, you know, not as much in this tournament, but they did do three shows in two days. So, you know, that probably helped. Uh, but yeah, she serves her purpose. I didn't mind. I didn't mind it. It's just like, and the matches are like three minutes long, so it's no big deal. Next up, uh, Mayu Iwatani defeated Tom Nakano. the The big issue here was the loser would be eliminated from contention for the block. Um, you know, the winner would still have a chance to win based on the the Himika Konami match that would come up next. Um, this was a really good match, I thought. And frankly, uh, Tom ends up becoming. Probably my in ring MVP of the tournament. When I went back and looked at my top 10 matches that I'd uh, ranked for the tournament, Tom is in like four or five of them. I just thought she was really good. Mayu was obviously good. Um, you know, basically every match she was in was good or great. So not much more you can say about Mayu, but impressed with Tom in this tournament.
2: Yeah, I think Tom doesn't get a lot of, not a super amount of opportunities. She's sort of been firmly slotted in in the middle of the pecking order, but I feel like every time she gets opportunities like this, obviously in this tournament she had quite a lot of opportunities. She really delivers. I think she's very underrated uh, in ring wise, and has a fun personality. I mean, is a fun wrestler to watch. So to me, you know, it was a reminder to me that oh yeah, she is very good in the ring. I agree with you. She had a number of good matches. Um, in this tournament and as you said mayu is mayu um as we said you know to to kick this off she is the ace of the promotion and does what she does you know she goes out there and delivers uh, pretty much every time
3: yeah absolutely uh and that that's all the matches that i've seen i know you've seen the himike konami match right but it,
2: I did. It dropped. It's a 10 minute match and it dropped 10 minutes before we started <laughs> recording this. But I was so mad that it came out when it did that I was just like,
3: ah, fuck it. I'll watch it later. So uh, but what I do know is that Himika defeated Konami. If Konami had won the match, she would have won the block if there had been a. No, I don't think. Yeah, that is true. Konami would have won the block. If they drew, Mayu would have won the block. Uh, but Himika wins completes you know just uh a, a great tournament or well, it doesn't complete because she moves on to the finals but a great tournament for himika big elevation for her konami was also really good in this tournament it's funny I feel like you know i I'm complaining a lot about they don't really have a lot of stars and that's true but everybody's good in this promotion
2: yes I mean there's certainly not a lot of wrestlers in this promotion where you would say uh but yeah, It feels like a sort of a team with a lot of nice pieces. I mean, I think about – I watch a lot of basketball. You think about teams that, you know, have like three good players but no great players, and then they get to the finals and they lose always in the second round or something like that. It feels yeah, like that to me. Like they're missing that – they're missing the necessary sort of here is our group of – stars who we can send out and will deliver matches who will draw on fans consistently, obviously besides Mayu, but it's hard to do it with just one person in that star category.
3: I was going to say they're like the early LeBron Cavs because like Mayu is LeBron, but I don't think the rest of the roster is as bad as those Cavs teams.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would be correct. I mean, I think of it sort of obviously Mayu's the outlier, but like, Almost like those Grizzlies teams when they had Mike Conley and um, Mark Gasol. It was a lot of players you're like, these players are really good. And a lot of teams would probably really like to have these players. But there was no one who, when it's time to go, you know, and you're facing a tough team, you're in the playoffs where you go, this is the person who's going to put the team on his back and deliver. Now, obviously, you have Mayu, but in wrestling, you need more than. You need more than one for a number of reasons. Um, You know, a lot being that you can't send Mayu out every single show to main event because people will get bored of that. Um, So it's good to have sort of a group of them who you can mix and match, send up and down the card and things like that. But yeah, I agree with you. I thought Himika had a really good tournament. I think that she's still... There's still some things that I occasionally see that I'm like, eh. you know, The we talked before, the facial expressions sometimes to me <laughs> are a little bit odd, uh, a little bit like your screaming issue. My issue was sometimes the facial expressions are out of this world, uh, which is very weird. But Konami is in that same uh, place with... Tom, you know, people who are not at the top of the card, sort of in the middle, but still super talented and can go out and give you good matches.
3: Uh, Next up was Azumi defeating Micah. This is a strange result for me because Micah could win this match and still the winner of Utami and Shuri would be the winner of the block, I guess, because they wanted to do the draw. That's that's what happened. We haven't gotten to that yet, but and I haven't seen the match yet. So I guess that's why they did that. Uh, But, you know, rough for Micah to have, you know, such a great tournament and then lose both their matches here. Uh, We talked about Micah. Azumi, I thought, also had a really strong tournament. They tried her out in some main events. And, you know, I kind of went into that Utami-Azumi main event being like, this really doesn't have the the star power. And still, it was like a really good match. But I'm not sure that it was a, a main event at this point. But, I I think it's interesting that a lot of people do tie Azumi and and Kid together for good reason. But to me, Azumi is like potential best in the world candidate. And uh, she she didn't steer me off of that in this tournament.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see. I agree with you. I thought she had a good tournament. But I'm interested to see what her future holds. It feels sort of to me, and I don't know if this is my pessimism uh, sneaking up on me. To me, Azumi, I'm so fearful that she becomes sort of the next jungle where she sort of moves up the card. And then there's a point where they sort of say, "Uh, OK, we're good because, you know, we have X, Y, Z people or we're going to bring in these people from some other promotion because, you know, as we said, there's a lot of good wrestlers. But the key is there's a lot of people in this promotion and it seems pretty clear from something we'll talk about in a few minutes that they're not going to stop bringing more people into the promotion. So someone on you know that we've talked about or that we'll talk about in a couple minutes is probably going to hit a roadblock and not get as high as we think they will get. And I I am fearful for whatever reason I don't have really a, a definitive reason in my brain. I am fearful that will be. Azumi.
3: My Azumi fear is that she's small and the bushy road thing seems to be uh, slanted toward the taller wrestlers. So I'm worried that they're not going to view her as a main eventer in that way. And she, yeah, you're right. She could become like a Kiona style where she's like a really good upper mid Carter, but can never get higher than that. Uh, but that'll be, to me, that's uh, a misusage of her and will be, you know, not getting... What you what all you can get out of Ozumi? Of course, you know she's only eighteen now, so or almost eighteen. So you know we'll get a sense for how good she can really be. Uh, of course, there's also some talk that Bushiroad wants out of this agreement. So <laughs> maybe we don't have to worry about Bushiroad's whims uh, at some point in the future. But yeah, we'll we'll see what becomes of Ozumi. Hopefully, I just hope she sticks around in Joshi more than anything uh, because she's very very good. Next up was Saya Ida defeating. Natsuko Tora, so Saya gets off the schneid, gets two points in the tournament. Um, We'll we'll start talking about Saya, who I think had a very good tournament. You know, she replaced Saki Kashima, who uh, probably had COVID and was out for a bit. And I think she really, like, rewarded that decision, and I hope made an impression with people who uh, have decision-making power in this promotion. Like, it's a stacked promotion as far as, I don't know how high she can move up, but uh, i hope she gets more of a more of a chance based on her performance here uh go, man uh, there's just not much to say it was all her ma- not all but almost all her matches were bad when she had good matches it was with people who are really good she had a good match with shuri she had a good match with kiona
2: but other than that it was uh it was a rough go yeah i think ida Had a good tournament. I think I'm sort of comfortable with her now sort of being in that lower mid. I talked about a lot of people who seem to be moving up. And I think she's at the point she's sort of new enough, young enough, that she can sort of hang around in that sort of lower middle for the time being and let some things happen. You know, maybe people move up the card. Maybe some people move down the card. Maybe – people leave. We don't know what's going to happen. I think she's someone, she has time, you know, we're not in a rush to, you know, shoot her up the card, that she could probably be a, she's a fun addition to the roster, and she could sort of slot in that middle position, you know, lower middle position, and be very good. And then when it's time, when you have a need for someone else, when she has a little bit more seasoning, you can move her up um, up the roster a little bit. But I think it was good. I think that she was a good replacement. Um, Tora, I've said it on this podcast before. I don't get it. Uh, it, It's also a thing in tournaments like this. It always really throws me off or annoys me when you have sort of these heels. And the whole thing is we're heels and we cheat. There were multiple. I think there were multiple batches where they cheated directly in front of the referee and were disqualified, which to me in sort of kayfabe of the whole thing makes no sense. I don't. It doesn't matter if you're a heel or you're a face or whatever you're doing or whatever your gimmick is. The point of the tournament is to win as many matches as you can so you can get to the finals and win. And cheating in front of the referee gets you disqualified and loses you points. So it just ends up making them look silly. Because it seems like, well, what are you doing in the tournament if you're just going around, you know, cheating in front of the referee, getting disqualified, if you're not trying to win? You you just seem like a dummy to me. So to me, that's the biggest disconnect is they're trying to sort of make her this, you know, it has this correspondence to what we'll talk about in a bit, this sort of Oz Academy, Mayumi Ozaki style of – you know, a heel unit that's always running in and cheating. But the rules of the Oz Academy universe are different than the rules of the stardom universe, which is all about, you know, we're a great wrestling promotion with big, you know, high quality matches. And we're all about, you know, who's the best of the best. And then you have this person running in with chains and chairs and things like that. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I don't don't think you're wrong about that. My real, the thing that really pissed me off about this,
3: because like, I realized early on what was happening is like, well, I guess I just have to uh, live with this. But they would, you know, Saki would attack somebody outside or, uh, you know, Natsuko would use the chain outside. And it's like, in stardom, everybody's around the ring. So when you're attacking someone outside the ring, the people in her unit are also right there. Why don't they help? Why don't they get involved in some way? That drove me insane. There was one where I think it was... It was somebody else from from Queen's Quest who was getting attacked. And Utami was like, literally kneeled next to it happening. It's like, well, what's the explanation that she doesn't want to get involved to help? So, yeah, the whole thing annoyed me. Uh, It was bad. It brought everything down. (laughs) Yeah. I'm that... I tweeted this out, but I'm the... uh, the Azumi promo where she's like, I don't care that you're a heel or whatever. (laughs) This is exactly how I feel about it. Uh. All right. In a, in a match that, uh, I deemed on the E Patreon as the battle of who can matter less. Jungle Kiona versus Bomo Watanabe. And it went to a fucking no contest (laughs) because I Tai interfered. (laughs) Uh, I don't know who matters less. Who do you think matters less out of these two right now? Uh, Wait, wait, wait. Have you seen the news about Momo?
2: Is there new news? There's new news, my friend. Oh, boy. Breaking news on this podcast, which by the time it's released will be old news. You probably, (laughs) you
3: probably see this, right? The, The possibility that Momo's going to a different promotion. Oh, I thought people were just joking about that. So. Well, let's say let's say this about the match first. So, Oedo Tai interferes. This is tied into the TCS Oedo Tai. Uh, if, if TCS loses, they disband match that's going to be on the September 29 Coriquin, is that right? I think the 28th, September 28th Coriquin. That's right. Uh, and then uh B Priestley was part of Oedo Tai here, of course she's back in the country. And she challenged Momo to a match for the October third Yokohama show. And of course, if you remember, B was in Queens Quest, attacked Momo at a Coraquin—I don't know—five years ago. At this point, um, after the match with after Momo had a match with Mayu, as I recall, and that's like how she left Queens Quest and joined Oedo Tai. So they've got a little story, and that's going to be for the now vacant SWA title that Jamie Hader had. Okay. After this, Takumi Iroha tweeted at Mayu Iwatani and was like, Hey, basically, I want to have a match with you, Mayu. Momo quote tweeted Takumi and said, Wait, 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 wait. Why don't, how about first you have a match with me instead of Mayu? And uh, Darren on Twitter, I cannot, their uh, at is, very long and hard for me to read, so I'm not going to repeat it, but their their name is Darren, and I retweeted this, so you can see it on my timeline. This was a rough translation of what uh, Takamiroha Roha said. Long time no see, Momo-chan. First of all, add an honorific when you say my name. Very funny. Uh, I'd like to see how much stronger you've gotten. You can't take back the words you said. Why don't you come to Marvelous? What do you say, Mr. Rossi? So, Momo might be going to
2: Marvelous to face Takamiroha. Roha. That would be that would be a good match and a better use of Momo than whatever they're doing with her in Stardom. Yeah, but it's like I, I mean I would assume Iroha doesn't like start this whole
3: thing without knowing where it's going, and um, and obviously there's some relationship there. She came in and wrestled Mayu, obviously. So what would what would be to gain here by sending Momo? And maybe this is just like the the make good. For Iroha coming in to do the match before?
2: Yeah, it could be that you're that, Mar. you know, Marvelous said, okay, we sent Takumi to you who lost to Mayu, right? Was that the, Jeez, that is another thing that feels like it was five years ago. No, I- Iroha won, I believe. Did she? Okay. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I gotta um, look it up. Uh, um, that was forever ago. You know, it could be that they've decided on something where they need someone to lose. And so they said, well, why don't you take, you know, don't take Mayu because maybe Mayu, I'm assuming at this point, Mayu wins the match against Yuri on the third. And then whenever that Utami match happens, but that might be happening maybe after the whatever this match would be. And maybe they're saying, well, we don't want to send Mayu and have Mayu lose while she's still holding our title. So we'll send you Momo and you can beat Momo if you want that. That could be the reasoning, um, especially with it happening on a marvelous show or supposedly happening on a marvelous show. Yeah. I mean, that could, that could be part of it. Roha did win that match, by the way. She did. Yeah. I'm trying
3: to, (laughs) she was, when when was was
2: that? When was that match? When did that match? February 5th,
3: uh, February 15. (laughs) Great. The semi-made event was Arisa Hoshki uh, defending the White Belt against B Priestley.
2: Wow. That so, feels... Yeah, yeah well,
3: this that was the match where so Sari was supposed to be the challenger, and then yes. she couldn't make it, so uh, they got
2: Iroha. Yeah, and that, you know... Who, by I, the way, speaking speaking of that, and that could be a part of this that match supposedly there's something going on there because seri was in um i think weekly pro talking about wanting to face mayu so it could also be a thing where they don't want to have mayu in all of these you know sort of outside special matches you know and and you know affect her drawing power or something like that so they're like well we'll give you momo because we're going to use mayu to face uh, seri either in stardom or somewhere else i don't know
3: yeah, so uh, that's kind of interesting, I guess, to see Momo doing something, but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I had the sense, you know, around that match he had with Mayu that they were basically throwing her back down to the bottom and going to let her like build back up, but we'll see if uh, if that happens or not. <laughs> it's sad when you said, I think she's like on the way back down and she's 20 years
2: old. <laughs>
3: so, Jesus Christ.
2: I don't mean rolling all the way back down the hill, but <laughs> yeah. It's certainly all the, you know, I think you would agree. It certainly doesn't feel like she's on the way up in this company. company. I mean, it would be hard to be up after you hold the title and you, you almost, you know, you know, you do all this great stuff. It would be hard to go up again, but it certainly feels like she's dropping very quickly, even off that level where she was. Yeah. I mean, she set the record for white belt defenses. Uh, so
3: and held the title for like a year i think almost exactly a year actually so yeah it'd be tough but she's definitely not a top of the card main event player at this point in the promotion like not even close really
2: yeah and i think that she's in the worst position now because at least jungle has this disbands match coming up which something could happen i have a feeling what happens and i guess we'll we could talk about this in the upcoming shows I have a feeling either Jungle or Konami joins Oedo Tai at the end of that match.
3: Ooh. Well, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute because I have another thing to pose to you about that.
2: But that's at least something where it's like, okay, she has something major coming up, whereas Momo, it's sort of like, well, what does Momo have to do now? She has an SWA title match, which let's be frank about that title. It doesn't matter at all. Well, and she has to lose because the SWA title has to be
3: defended against someone who's of a different nationality than you. And if Momo wins, there's nobody to face.
2: Because <laughs> oh. there's, there's no Gaijin. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> they just yeah. do, uh, They do like New Japan does and just have two people face off against each other in title matches for like six months at a time.
3: Yeah, I, uh, I guess they could do that. Yeah, if, I mean, if
2: Momo wins, they're doing Momo, a rematch that B, B wins. Yeah, B versus Momo, Momo versus B, B versus Momo. <laughs> yeah, so presumably B is winning that.
3: Uh, I'll be interested to see how she's kind of slotted in the company now. Uh, she obviously was a red belt champion for a long time, and then a tag champion for for some time. So,
2: I mean, frankly, I know she's you know very divisive for a number of reasons, but. She comes back and is immediately the best wrestler in that unit in Oedo Tai by oh, okay. a long shot. Yeah, sure. Um so I would imagine she'll be given something, although who knows what who knows what the tie anymore. Uh which I'll talk about in a second, because I have a I have a separate uh I have a separate rant to go on, unrelated to the five star. <laughs> okay. Can't wait. Uh the the last match we'll
3: talk about, because we've already talked about the the final uh, Shuri versus Utami Hayashishta, and they went to a time limit draw, 20-minute time limit draw. Um, I guess we've talked about both their tournaments, so not much to say. I'll be interested to see that match. Uh, fascinating that Utami did a time limit draw and then immediately beat Himika in 10 minutes after that. <laughs> so, uh, poor Himika. But that's basically the five stars. Is there anything else you want to say about the five star before we move on?
2: No, I think it was... I think by far the strongest shows of the tournament were the ones at Corican. I thought the middle uh, number of shows, now, of course, they were sort of put behind the eight ball a little with the cancellations and things like that, but I thought the middle shows were a little bit uh, weaker, not bad shows, but certainly not, you know, not blowing my hair back in any way. Um, And I think indicative of what we've talked about, which is. You know, a lot of good wrestlers, not a lot of big stars, Uh, but I thought all three of the Korkin shows were very strong. The closing show of what I've seen so far, all the matches I've really enjoyed. Uh, So overall, I thought a a good tournament.
3: Yeah, I basically agree. It was a, a tournament that I enjoyed a lot, but just didn't have the highs that you kind of expect out of out of stardom, but I haven't seen, you know, the two, the top two matches from this show, perhaps they are very high highs, but I mean, basically I think my top rated match is like four stars in this term. I don't think I got higher than four stars on anything.
2: Yeah, I was, I was around the same thing. I think I had maybe one or two four stars, but, and I think I was a bit lower because I heard some people who, who were a bit higher than me. I had a couple four stars, but other than that, they were sort of in that three, three and a quarter, three and a half range pretty consistently. I, I'm a little higher than you, because I probably
3: had five or six four-star matches. But um, but yeah, nothing that really uh, got anywhere close to like a match of the year level match, which you usually can expect from the five-star. But again, the final and uh, that Shuri Utami draw could obviously be really good matches. So we'll see. Uh, now, one person who wasn't, and the five-star who who was replaced. I think you have something to say about her, which is Saki Kashima.
2: Yeah, and I feel like I've said this a couple times on previous episodes, but I just want to talk about this again. What is going on with Saki Kashima? Now, obviously, she had whatever she had, possibly had COVID, and she was taken out of the tournament. But it just seems, what has been the point? You know, She turned, joined Oedo Tai, and started very well. I actually looked this up because I was so confused about this. She started nine and one to begin after she turned heel. She was nine and one. Now I think all nine of those victories were in multi-person tag matches, either three, either six or eight person tag matches. Um, Then she faced Mayu in that lumberjack match and lost. And since that moment, after that match, she's been three and 10 including going one and five in singles matches with her only victory in a singles match being over Hina, which is obviously someone who's very, very low on the totem pole. I just don't understand, you know, you have B back now, I guess. So it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit different, but you have three people in this group. that supposedly this very fearful heel group. You have Torah who did okay. Point wise in the five star you have Kashima who seemingly can't beat anyone um unless she's in a tag with other people and then you have Natsu who's who's largely comedy. Like I just don't understand you turn her and then it's like oh did you just turn her to face Mayu one time and then sort of become a you know a geek in this faction that doesn't really mean anything anymore? I just it's so confusing to me and I can't figure it out. And it's they've made her into this, you know, not that she was a world beater before, but now it's like who, you know, she faces off in these singles matches. Who cares? We know she's going to lose. You know, I don't know. It's just very frustrating to me. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And it seems like you turned her, she started strong and there was something you probably could have done with this. And now all of a sudden you can't do anything with it. Cause now you've made her into a big loser. On the other hand, like on the on the
3: to defend Saki's whole thing, she was basically a huge loser with no upside in stars. They turned her, she got a main event against Mayu, and now she's back to where she was. So she got something out of
2: it. It's just like she's a she's a non-entity. She's a nothing. But then what was the point <laughs> if she's a non-entity before and now now she's a non-entity and she got one main event out of it, which through no fault of stardoms had no fans. Right. That is the downside of my argument. <laughs> had no it drew, fans. It drew it. Zero no, fans. It drew nothing at all. You've essentially <laughs> just sort of rearranged the, fur- you know, you've rearranged the furniture. She's me. The time when you turn her, you can say, well, she didn't mean much before. Why don't you try and make her something? Now that she's a heel, you've given her this sort of fresh coat of paint. And you're just like, oh, well, we gave her this fresh coat of paint to have one single match. And now she'll just be a loser again. Well, frankly, she's not very good, Taylor. So I think, she, I think that she's, I think she's better than some people think she is. Um, I'm trying to,
3: I'm look. not saying
2: she should beat, I'm not saying she should beat everyone. And part of this has to do with the fact it, it was deal, you know, dealt a bad hand with the, you know, with whatever this hell thing was. Um, because she would have been in the tournament now, of course, she probably would have been in the EDA position of getting two points or maybe four points or something like that, but I don't know, it just seems like why are we wasting our you know why are we wasting our time with this?
3: Well, that's my point is I don't see why we're wasting our time uh with Saki. I mean good honor, you know, I don't know if she, she has a lot of merch, so maybe she's a merch mover, I don't know, but uh to me, like she's probably the worst wrestler in the company that's over eighteen.
2: Mm. all right i mean it's a high bar it's a high bar so i will agree i might agree (laughs) with you there well your argument's going to be natsuko right well i think that natsuko could be i think that she is held back by this whole thing that she's doing of you know i have a chain and i'm beating you up with the chain and i'm cheating you know i think that she has the potential to be good she's just in a position now where she's doing this thing that makes her, that holds her back and prevents her, I think, from being better. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. So, yeah, and I would, you know, the whole thing has been, we have no, you know, we have no Gaijin. Oedo ties down to three people. Why not try and do something and see if you can, you know, you know, give her a couple meaningful wins and see if something happens. You know, if the fans get really excited or something like that. But now they've done it where they're like, oh, yeah, she's a loser. And now you've essentially buried her back. And that's the end of the story.
3: Yeah. Yeah, basically. Well, we'll see. I think Oedotai is about to undergo uh, some sort of makeover. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's move on to uh, the only big news story of the week, really. Uh, Natsumi Maki and Mina Shirakawa are leaving Tokyo Joshi Pro the news story seemed to be that, I don't know, did Tokyo Joshi Pro decide not to uh, renew their contracts or it was a mutual decision? Not really sure. Uh, it kind of feels like they're getting the boot.
2: Yeah, it felt like they're getting the boot. And this also ties in uh, to go back to Stardom briefly. Uh, Julia did announce on October 3rd that there will be XXXX joining Donna Del Mundo, So uh, I guess it is possible that One of these two could be, uh, what is that, Quadruple X. Um, There's also a few other possibilities. Rekha Psyche could join, or maybe someone we're not expecting. You know, people have been talking about Kairi Hojo. It would seem weird to have Kairi join as the fourth member of Donna Del Mundo, but I guess it's possible. Uh, But yeah, it will be interesting to see where those two end up. I feel like we've said that a bunch with people leaving, and oftentimes they either don't go, you know, they don't go many places or they just end up in stardom. So we'll see if that's the case again. I know Mina, I think, did tweet something about going to Osaka next week, uh, which is where stardom has one of their shows. Uh, don't know if that's a calculated ploy to sort of drum up interest or if there's something there, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think Maki will be the more interesting one because I think in ring she's super talented. I'm actually fairly surprised at the fact that Tokyo Joshi didn't really push her more. When she first came into company, I remember thinking that she would be very quickly – At the top of the cards, you know, she had that good series of matches uh, with Miyu Yamashita this year. But really, other than that, wasn't all that involved in the top storylines in the company. So um, it'll be interesting to see where she goes. I think she would be a strong pickup for a number of uh, Joshi companies. I feel like I'm
3: insane. I've been talking to people and talking about how good I think Mina Shirakawa is. And I seem to be the only one who thinks that. I don't think she's bad to be clear, but I just think Maki in ring.
2: Oh yeah. Maki's better, but I think Mina is underrated in ring. She's gotten a lot better to me. I think Maki is a sneaky, could be a game. I mean, depending on where she goes, could be a game changer for some companies. I just don't think Mina uh, is that sort of level of possible game changer. I think that she would be a good, a good, you know, signing for a lot of companies. Um, but just sort of not on the level of where I think Maki is. I agree with that. I think Mina would kind of be a waste in stardom
3: because she'd kind of just be mired in the middle where a lot of other people are. Uh, But obviously she would be likely very popular among the fan base. And so, you know, there could be uh, monetary reasons for bringing her in. Apart from the fact that I think she's good. Maki is like really good. Maki would fit in Dona Del Mondo, I think, because she can be an ass-cooker, which I think is kind of the, the aesthetic of the team. Uh, the funny bit that I have is that every X has been bigger than the previous X, and so who, who's bigger than Himeka who can come in?
2: Um,
3: how tall is, how tall is uh, Rebel Kel? Uh, yes, Rebel Kel is one of the people I thought of. Uh, Stacey Keebler also could be an option. Um I don't know how tall Aja Kong is, but she's certainly bigger than
2: Himika. Well uh well Kong Aja Kong is, is certainly uh not coming in because she I think I don't know if it still exists, but I know she and Rossi have um not seen eye to eye in the past, so sure. Sure. Just uh, you know, just trying to think of all the possible people
3: who could be. Uh, is she tall 4X? though?
2: I don't think she's Tall. That's the... I well, I mean, I Himika, so. at the end of the day, is also... We're talking about sort of relative tall here. She's 5'9". I thought that she was like 5'6". No, I think Himika's 5'9". Tall Saya
3: is 5'6". <laughs> oh, know, but, interesting.
2: Okay. Uh, Aja Kong, 5'5", five five, according to Wikipedia. Yeah, so... There you go. I mean, that would be certainly... Um, That would certainly be interesting. (laughs) I'm just trying to imagine Aja Kong uh, like interacting with Julia and having Julia be (laughs) like, like Aja, go over there. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Cage Match says Himika is 5'8". So 5'8".
3: Okay. Somewhere in that that range. So she is fairly tall. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. So I don't know where they're going, I guess is uh, the answer to this. Yeah, they'd be good anywhere. It's just you kind of. My my baseline is like waiting to see the first thing I'm going to wait to see is if they show up in Stardom, and after that, I can start to think about where else they might show up. Just because I kind of expect people to show up in Stardom.
2: It does feel like people have either shown up in Stardom or sort of gone general freelance and not done much. It seems like those have really been the two. I'm trying to think of the last person who sort of left the company and went full-time with some other company that wasn't stardom. And I can't even think of any.
3: No, no, so. they've just kind of done freelance stuff. So
2: yeah, we'll, we'll see, but you know, we'll see if they end up in stardom, but you know, the more and more people they get in this company, it feels like they're stuff in the middle of this sort of sandwich here. Yeah. And something, something, I just feel like something has to give with this. They've got at least one more person coming in, you know, XXXX. Um,
3: yeah, and then I'm assuming Kyrie Hojo at some point, even if it's for a short run.
2: Yeah, I'm assuming now if that's going to be a short run, it might not matter much, and she's going to go right to the top of the... Oh, yeah. Right to the top of the card. So that's different. You know, it just feels like so many of these people are, oh, they come in and they're sort of mid carters who they have to work up, work up into a higher level in the card as opposed to, oh, we have this person and they're a big star and they can go right to the top. Yeah. Um, it just feels like we're stuffing the company with sort of these potential laden mid card upper mid carters.
3: I agree. All right, well, let's talk about some other shows that have gone on. Now, they weren't in the last two weeks because they happened before, but they just made tape in the last two weeks. So the first one uh, that we're going to talk about is the Oz Academy show from August 28th. It just aired on the 13th, so we've only been able to see it recently. Uh, the, the first match on the show, Rina Shingaki, Shuri, and Tsubasa Kuragaki versus Mitsuhisa Tsunabe and uh, Maya Yukihi and Yumi Oka. Uh, Maya Yukihi won the match uh, when she pinned Rina Shingaki. Um, I thought the funniest thing I thought about this match was that this was during the stardom quarantine and Shuri
2: was absolutely not quarantining. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think about that. The one thing I thought about this match was I was sort of, because I think Tsunabe is a pancreas guy and I don't really know any much or anything about him. And I sort of wanted to see him against Shuri and there really wasn't that much interaction. Now, he was not in the match really much at all. I have a feeling that he sort of was trained on a few things um, and brought in just to maybe bring in some new fans. Uh, but that was sort of the thing I was looking forward to and didn't happen. Uh, but other than that, I thought it was a enjoyable enough uh, you know, kickoff to the show. Yeah, it was all about uh, ref shenanigans. Um,
3: my wife came in during this match and was just like, really cracking up at the ref, uh, fast counting for uh, Ozaki Goon and slow counting for the other team. She thought that was very funny.
2: Wow your your <laughs> wife is a big fan of Oz Academy, which puts her even Ahead of me. In my, yeah, even higher <laughs> in my book. <laughs>
3: uh, by the way, they uh, according to cage match they they claim 999 fans for this show. Um. My big thing about the show was like, oh, man, it feels so good to have like a big show again. Like with all the lights and the, the pomp and circumstance, it sounded loud in the building. That was yeah. And the
2: and the crowd clearly ignoring the sort of general rule to don't yell. Yes, uh, because there were quite a few yells. But yeah, it did feel good. I mean, this show and the big that big ice ribbon show um, a month ago, whenever that was. Those have really been the two shows in the past few months that have felt I've watched and I've been like, this is a big show. It feels big. There's lots of fans. Lots of things are happening. And it's so exciting to experience and be like, ah, this is what it was like to enjoy a big show.
3: Yes, this felt nice. Felt like, like old times. Uh, the second match Asuka and Hiragi Kurumi versus Itsuki Aoki and Rina Yamashita. Asuka paid Yamashita with a moonsault. Uh, I thought this was very good, especially the, the asuka Yamashita interactions.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a, a fun match for good uh, wrestlers that I enjoy watching. Don't have much more to say about it than that, but uh, an enjoyable match and a, a good, a solid undercard match.
3: Just wait. We're going to have a lot to say about the main event, so just stick with us. Uh, Sakura Hirota versus Yoshiko. So they come out and Hirota is dressed like Yoshiko, which is funny. And then Yoshiko wins with a lariat in about 10 seconds. Then Hirota cuts a promo. They restart the match and they do just like a classic kind of back and forth match. But uh, Yoshiko ultimately walks away victorious nonetheless.
2: Yeah. So this Hirota match was uh, like a lot of uh, Hirota matches in the past. She dressed up like Yoshiko. uh, Very funny. Um, But You know, sometimes I feel like with these, if you've seen one, you've seen them. It's sort of a feeling of if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Uh, An enjoyable match, but, you know, not one that I think is going to stick out in my brain past, you know, a few more weeks, probably.
3: Uh, A few more weeks. Wow. That's (laughs) a few more days. Uh, I'll be stunned if I think about this again. After today, really. Um, All right. Next up. The Blast Queen title, eight woman elimination tag team, super plasma blast death match. Asha Kong, Hiroya Matsumoto, the Blast Queen champion, uh, Kaori Yoniyama and you versus the mission K4 team of Akino, Kaho Kobayashi, Kakeru Sekiguchi, and Sonoko Kato. Oh, Matsumoto, uh- Matsumoto won. <laughs> she retained the title.
2: Yes, yeah, so it turned into a um, an individual match after a um, certain point, which I I didn't I briefly didn't understand what was going on for about three minutes, and then I and then I caught on. <laughs> um, I like this, you know. Last year they had the blast, they had the um, blast death match as the main event with Ozaki and Matsumoto. I think that was a stronger blast. Match, I thought it was a little bit more exciting. Um, this one I enjoyed. Look, I always enjoy these, these blast death matches just because they're so out of the ordinary. I mean, they happen really at most t- maybe two or three times a year. Um, I think this is the second one that's happened this year after that one that was in zero one uh, that we covered on, I think, one of our first episodes that we ever did of this podcast. Um, I enjoyed it, you know, but it didn't, it didn't reach, you know, I had, I think I had very high expectations based on the death match from last year. It didn't quite reach those, but a match I really enjoyed.
3: Yeah, I was like really pumped for this. I love these blast, blast queen matches. Um, and it did not live up to what I wanted it to, uh, but it was still fun. Do do you think... Do you think the buzzer is real? Like, they're not really hitting a button, right?
2: It's a, I think it, it's a light cue. Well, I think I think the buzzer is real. I think it turns the, I think it turns it on and off to make sure that someone doesn't, you know, if you kick the bat or something accidentally, it doesn't explode and sort of ruin the the bit of it. I just think somebody else is turning it on. I don't think, I don't think it cues the the siren or the horn or whatever you would call it, but I think it is a thing where it's like, okay, we need this thing to be on, turn it on, okay, now hit the you know hit the siren so that we can use right.
3: it. yeah, I just don't think any whatever they do when they hit the the turnbuckle or the uh, ring post, I don't think that does anything. That's my take.
2: I think somebody else controls it. So it would have to be someone else at ringside who would be watching it and hit it at the same time that the buzzer goes off. Yeah. So, I mean, in that way, if you think about it, <laughs> it is controlling when the bat turns on and off. Because if they don't no. hit it, if they don't hit it, whoever's controlling it isn't going to hit the button. Okay, I hate this. I, I hate
3: this so much. I wish I'd never said anything. <laughs> I wish i just stayed quiet. Proving you uh, wrong again. No. False. Alright. The main event of the show and of this podcast. The Oz Academy open weight title match. Mayumi Ozaki defeated uh Ano, retained the title um with a dragon suplex. So go I, I'll you know, I'll let you go, Taylor. No, I want you to go first. <laughs> um Alright. Look, <laughs> I don't like these matches. I think everybody knows that. I've been very clear that like I don't get it. I was raised on like a very specific type of wrestling, which is like 80s Southern wrestling. And that's what I like. And everything else kind of stems from that of my own views about things. So I try to separate and be like, okay, in this world, like, okay, in stardom, for example, they will like push the ref and nothing happens to them. Right. And I'm like, okay, I accept that because that's, that's what happens in the stardom universe. That's fine. And I've come to be like, okay with that. In this promotion, you can just do whatever the fuck you want. And nobody does anything about it. Except the one time the ref did gave a five count when they were doing the hanging spot over the top ropes and Ozaki let go. And I was like, why, why is this the, 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 the tipping point for the ref and why did Ozaki let go? I mean, because literally the first part of this match is just like five people beating the hell out of Anno, and uh nobody comes out to help her. The ref doesn't care um so yeah, that is hard for me to to get and then like you do the blood so early in the match that I feel like it kind of loses its its uh uh, effect by the time you get to the end, she just has like this kind of small bit of a uh, dried blood on her face by the end of the match, and you have like some nice comebacks I thought, which I liked, but for them to beat the piss out of her and then, I mean, literally like uh just smash her over the head with chairs, hang her, carry her, you know, pull her around on a dog chain, and then she loses. <laughs> it's just like fuck. I don't know. It just wasn't uh, satisfying for me. That's all. All right. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, there was a lot I liked about it. Ano is great in this match. She was great. Uh, I thought Ozaki was great. So there was a lot that they did that I enjoyed, and I got into some of the comebacks. But, like, I just don't understand. I don't understand what is happening and why it's happening. This is what I want you to tell me. Why can they do whatever they want? Why does nobody come out and help her? And why do they get like in wrestling? The bad guys torture the good guys and then the good guys come back and win. But she just lost. Is she going to win next month?
2: All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so the whole thing is, I guess, on the on its face they are um, Seki Goon, Ozaki Goon, whatever you want to call them. They are the home army of this promotion. Sure. I, I got so, that. So they are really running things. And the reason they can do it is it's really their promotion and they set the, they set the rules. I mean, so, that's sort of the way. So Oz Academy is basically NWO sold out. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> For all my friends who remember the sold out pay per view. Yes, of course. The legendary. Yes. Uh, the reason there is a there is a specific reason. No one came out to help Sayori because she's part of Sekigoon. That's the whole part. The, the storyline of this was sort of um, Sekigun versus Sekigun because they're both in the same group. You know, Sayori wanted a title shot, and there was some back and forth, um, and there was some question about whether she would lose and be kicked out of the group or she would win and something else would happen or she'd start her own group or something like that. But the reason no one came out to help her is because it's all sort of an inter faction battle going on. So you're not going to get Aja Kong coming out to help her because they've fought in the past and they don't like each other. So that is a, that is sort of the specific reason why no one's coming out to help her. Although really no one really ever comes out to help any of the baby faces in this promotion. So it is a bit, you know, different. I do sort of agree with you on, you know, I thought that the result should go the other way. Now. I don't really know all that. I haven't looked into it that deeply about the drawing, you know, who draws, I mean, Ozaki is the star of this promotion. Um, You know, it's her promotion. She's been the head of it for however many years. So there is a question of whether they're just like, well, we know that we draw with Ozaki at the top, so we'll just keep the title on Ozaki. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Sayori, who is technically a freelancer, is leaving and going somewhere else. I don't know if that's the case. I also thought that she should have won. Um, It didn't happen. But I just, to me, I guess I have really sort of, the first few times I did watch Oz Academy, years ago I sort of had the same thought where I was like why is there there's all this interference why is this going on it doesn't make any sense but it just sort of is I don't know exactly what it was but it just sort of clicked at some point that it's like this is the world that this company operates in and you know this interference happens but it's always sort of the same you know it's kept to just these matches you know and it's always the same the rules are always the same that they have mio the mio shurai their own ref who's part of the group and sort of that's the rules of this universe is that if you face off against someone from sekigun you're going to be fighting multiple people because they're going to you know run into the ring and police is going to be there and they're going to use chairs and chains and all of these different things and that's just sort of the universe so i think internally I've sort of adjusted my watching to that. Um, I absolutely love this match. From even before the match started, with Sayori coming out in the the black robe, and then when she was introduced, whipping it off to reveal an all-white ensemble, I thought was a really cool visual image. Then, of course, very early on, she got busted open, so she's bleeding all over this all-white um outfit which was another sort of cool visual i thought the comeback spots were really well timed um the first one that happened they were on the ramp and she started the comeback and i was like this is it the comeback's happening and like two minutes later she was back being having the shit beat out of her again and i was like well i guess they (laughs) they tricked me there i just thought it was super fun um you know bloody very uh hard hitting i mean so many hits with the chain you know, back fists and things like that, that I really loved it. I went four and three quarter stars. Um, I would have liked to see Sayori win, um, didn't happen. But other than that, I just thought it was awesome, super fun, and not like any other match really that you will see in Joshi wrestling or really any wrestling this year, or maybe any year outside of other Oz Academy matches. All right. Well, you know, I'm, uh,
3: I am relatively new to the promotion. I haven't watched it a ton. This is certainly the most I've enjoyed in Oz Academy main event. How about that? Great. Um, so, you know, it got that going going for me. But yeah, it's just, it's so different from what I'm used to and what I normally like. That, um, I mean, okay. So, Ozaki presumably has been on top of this promotion most of its existence based on what you were saying earlier. Correct. But like, I guess that's, that's what is really hard for me is that's the home, the home group, the home army, but like somebody has to beat them at some point, like someone has
2: to make them pay for their cheating ways. Well, and they do, it it does happen, you know, at shows a lot of times at these big shows, um, you know people they will lose now they often come back and win them you know ozaki hasn't held the title for the last you know 10 years or something like that she does lose it but she's always sort of a force in the picture of you know this is the top of the company and you know i'm sort of one i mean she is the sort of top star in the company I think it would have been interesting to see what Sayori would have done as the top of the company. But as I said, she is technically a freelancer. I don't know if there's plans for her to go somewhere else or if they're worried that she would win and then go somewhere else or something like that. I don't know if there's outstanding circumstances there or if it's just that they feel that, you know, they drew... I don't know what restrictions were at this point in Japan. They drew essentially or they announced they drew a thousand fans, um, which if they were still at 50% capacity for the building, I think is pretty good. I think if I'm remembering correctly, or maybe I'm not remembering correctly, Um, but maybe they're just like, you know, she draws, we know what she, you know, we know what Ozaki will draw. She's been very consistent. I mean, she's been around for many, many years. So maybe they're just like, Hey, that's, You know we're comfortable keeping the title on her, and people keep coming to the shows, and that's fine. It may just sort of be a safety thing. Um, I don't know about that because I haven't looked too much into the drawing patterns of Oz Academy, but yeah. At the start of the match, I was I was assuming
3: Anna was going to win the match. I was unspoiled, even just now recently watching it. So I was like expecting her to win, Um, and when she lost, I thought you know which I know that this has been a talk for a long time, but it's like, she's kind of like a perfect fit for, for Donna DelMondo. I think of like, she has that like ass kicker vibe to her for me. I don't know. I think she would fit in, but I assume at this point, since she's been freelance so long, uh, that's not what's happening. Also, I want to, you know, I appreciate that people hate that every time somebody goes freelance, somebody, everyone is like, Oh, I bet they're going to stardom. And I don't want to see stardom, uh, you know, hoover everyone up for sure. But it's just like trying to think of the possibilities. Like when she lost, I thought, okay, that's still a possibility.
2: Yeah. And she lost and I thought, okay, maybe they throw her out of the group and, you know, maybe she is going to start it, but it didn't seem like that was the end point of that. It seemed like it, it seemed to me, you know, I don't speak fluent Japanese, so I didn't catch it all. It seemed to me as if she sort of the end point was, okay, now you fought against us and now come on back and be in the group. She did pose with them at the end when they were taking pictures and things like that. Um, So it didn't seem to be an outward story of you're out of the group. That would then lead to her disappearing from the promotion and showing up in stardom or something like that.
3: Yes, I agree with that. That makes sense. Uh, Okay, Any, any other thoughts about that Oz show?
2: No, I would say, um, you know, check it out. Uh, Like Mayu Iwatani would say, check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Um, (laughs) And see if you've never watched, you know, I would say, Aaron, I think you could probably agree with this to say it's different than most other Joshi that you'll watch.
3: Absolutely. Uh, And you uh, may watch it and be like, oh, wait, this really like speaks to me. And you may really enjoy it. So it's worth checking out. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. But either way, it's going to be something. It's something different. It's a little bit of change of pace, especially if you've been watching all of the you know, five star Grand Prix, which was good, but all sort of the same style. You know, have a change
3: of yeah. style. Yeah, I sat down to watch this um, after I'd watched a ton of five star and it was like very refreshing. So I liked the show. I just the main event didn't hit the way it did for Taylor. Okay, next show, uh, Diana's show from August 30th. This just aired on, what, the 11th? So it's still uh, pretty recently available. Um, a great show, in my opinion. Uh, Madeline versus Nanami uh, in the opening match. Nanami won with a flash pin. Just a fun little opening match.
2: Yeah, I think Madeline is really good. Uh, she had a match against Sari on the nine uh, September 13th. Diana's show that was super fun. Uh, She's sort of a younger wrestler who I think is exciting uh, and on the way up. Then
3: we saw the aforementioned Sari taking on Nagasa Nozaki. They went to a 10-minute draw. Uh, I just thought this was excellent. It was just, I was happy to see Sari again.
2: Yeah, I thought it was good. I wasn't, I wasn't like blown away by the match. I thought it was a good match, but I think it was just so refreshing to see Sari back and be like, oh yeah, she... She's very good cuz even in this match that I wasn't like whoa the most amazing match I've ever seen you remember why you know she was so heralded last year you know her offense looks so good she I mean it looks tough and it every you know move she makes looks you know hard hitting and things like that so it was really great to see her back I hope that maybe down the line they do a rematch along with a longer time limit, so they don't go to a time limit draw. Because I think that could really be um, a really, really great match.
3: Next up was a uh, tag title match, Kaoru. Ito. Well,
2: well, well. Next up. Oh, the... I'm sorry.
3: I forgot. I completely just skipped the the next match. I don't even have it in my notes.
2: <laughs> wow, really outed myself here. Fuck yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Next up was the Queen Elizabeth title match. Uh, Sakura Hirota was the um, title holder coming into the match, and she ended up losing that title to Jaguar Yokota. Uh, it was a match. you know. As we said, it was a Hirota match. A lot of her sort of traditional comedy in it. Happy to see Jaguar win the title. I still don't quite understand what the title is, um so uh we'll see but now Jaguar has it I'm assuming we'll see it defended more often because she's obviously on you know involved in the promotion and on I think every show
3: I uh, I was thinking as I looked at these notes why why were there only four matches on this show There were Aaron there were five I didn't watch it I'm sorry just you know only so much time on this planet uh, the tag title match, though, came after that. Uh, Kaoru Ito and Tomoko Watanabe defending their titles against Haruka Umosaki and Miyuki Takase. And uh, the Luminous team wins. Takase rolled up
2: Kaoru Ito. I thought this was great. I went four stars on this. I did as well. I thought it was super fun. You know, the sort of veteran team, not sort of the veteran team, the veteran team uh, behaving in sort of a bring it, you know, sort of bring it on mode and i think that umasaki and takase are a super fun team i'm really glad they won and actually the the whole sort of feeling of me sort of the general feeling after the show is wow what an exciting what an exciting sort of time for diana you know seri is back for who knows how long um she is having matches she has another match coming up which we'll talk about shortly um you know and now this great young team that I really like has won the tag titles. And as we'll talk about in a second, a big title change in the main event, which is really exciting. So this is, feels like um, a promotion with a lot of momentum. Yeah, this
3: to me was just like a perfect, perfect example of a match you can do when two of the people are not um, great workers, I'll say, <laughs> who can't really move very much. Uh, Takase and Umasaki just worked their asses off, sold like crazy uh Takase man that double foot stop she took with like zero with like basically 100% of the weight right on her chest
2: looked uh looked miserable but
3: i just thought they did a great job
2: yeah and takase is someone i mean we've talked about her a number, of time, a number of times but she is really sort of the unheralded I mean, obviously, people who follow Joshi a lot know a lot about her, are big fans, but she's someone who hasn't yet sort of broken out of the sort of Joshi bubble into the mainstream bubble the way that someone like Seri did last year or, um, you know, people like that do where the larger wrestling world knows about them, someone like Io Shirai from many years ago. And I think that when... You know, she gets a little bit more under her belt and she breaks through. I think she is going to be a big, big star.
3: I agree. Big fan of Takase. And as you suggested in the main event, the Diana World title, uh, Ayako Sato defending against Asuka. And Asuka wins. Uh, Another match that I thought was really good. I also went four stars on this. Um, It just, to me, if you listen to the show, you know what I like. It felt like a fight. It was fast-paced. They both had urgency. Uh, It's just exactly what I want out of a wrestling match.
2: Yeah, good match. I'm really excited to see Asuka holding this title. I think that they could do a lot of really fun things with this. Um, And as I mentioned before, I think Asuka is someone, you know, smart promotions should try and bring her in because she's young and already very talented and, you know, currently is officially a freelancer So it's very smart to me for Diana, who's now started doing these YouTube, you know, they're now doing these YouTube streams pretty much every weekend, uh, putting up these shows for free to now have sort of the hot or one of the hot commodities of Joshi as their title holder, I think just continues this momentum that they've built over the last few months.
3: All right, well, that's the Diana show. I think that'll take us into the Spark Notes section. Of course, we're going very long on this episode uh, thus far, so I'll probably uh, go short on my part on Spark Notes. But you want to tell us about some of the other shows that have been going on?
2: Yeah, so I'll just run through these. Um, some of them I've seen, but some of them I have not. Uh, Actress Girls had their 916, their September 16th show, which had that number one contenders match. Uh, Misa Matsui and Kakaru Sakaguchi. That is airing on Nico on September 25th, so I haven't seen that yet, uh, but that will be coming up. I'll probably mention it again next episode. Wave had a Corokin show on September 18th. That was Hero Way's retirement, long awaited retirement, um, which finally happened. Actually, Sari was on that show, um, tagging with Hibiki, um, which is fun. Boss to Mammy, the team. Of Mio Momono and Yumioka winning the tag titles. That's the big news coming out of that show. They defeated Sakura Hirota and Yuki Miyazaki. Uh, Boston Mammy, a super fun team. Now that Mio's back, glad to see them reforming and winning the titles. Uh, Chaco Pro has been moving along in season three. Not a lot of big stories yet. They did have Masa Takanashi's 17th anniversary show. Um, which was a lot of fun. And they have quite a number of shows coming up, which we'll talk about in the um, upcoming show section. Ice Ribbon had two shows, one on September 13th, and actually one that's coming up in a few hours uh, on the 20th. Haragi Kurumi and Mochi Miyagi defend successfully defending their titles against the Fujitas, uh, a last-minute Replacement of Minoru Fujita meant he teamed with Akane Fujita. Uh, They lost that tag title match, so Kurumi and Miyagi retained. And then the Ice Ribbon Show, which has not happened as of the time we're recording this, is their big show with the Fantast Ice title match between Risa, Sarah, and Siri and the uh, Infinity title match between Suzu, Suzuki, and Sakushi. Seedling had a show on September 14th. To my knowledge, it didn't make tape. Uh, someone tell me if I'm wrong because I want to see the show. It had a non-title singles match between Yoshiko and Seri, getting ready for their title match coming up. And it had the Best Friends versus Max Voltage number one contender match for the tag titles. Um, the Best Friends coming away victorious. So they will be challenging... Uh, Hiroyo Matsumoto, and Yoshiko somewhere down the line for the tag titles. Marvelous had the Rin Katakura return show on September 11th, so she is back and has already done a number of matches, including she was on the uh, Wave Corkin show as well, so very excited to have her back. Tokyo Joshi had two minor sort of minor shows on the 12th and 13th, The big news out of that is the team of B-Star, Mirai, Mayumi, and Suzume challenging the champions Rika Tatsumi and Miyu Watanabe for the tag titles on the upcoming show on the 21st. And finally, Oz Academy had another show on September 6th where Akino and Sonoko Kato successfully defended their tag titles against Kaori, Yonayama, and Yu.
3: I guess it's my job to talk about the other Stardom shows uh but I'll just say this. Here are the two matches you should go watch. Ozumi versus Shuri from the 912 show, Julia versus Tom from the 913 show. Uh that's it. It's a big long tournament. I have a match guide if you look on my Twitter account Aaron Like the Car my pinned tweet, you can see all the other matches that I thought uh, were worth watching but you know nothing of note really happened since they were all uh tournament shows. So Okay. We're going to take uh, some questions here. So I should have read these before and like thought about answers to them. Um, uh, Taylor, I'll start with you. Who is the greatest Joshi wrestler right now? And why is it
2: Mei Suruga? This is uh, from Paul. Uh yeah, Paul over at Voices of Wrestling. I also realized I I put these in our sort of uh show document and realized I also didn't think about them <laughs> as I was facing them, which I should have done. Mesa ruga has been very good. Who is the greatest Joshi wrestler right now? Oh geez, I mean I always sort of go back to my favorites of you know Arisa Nakajima because I think that she can have great matches. Um. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's very tough. I think there's a lot of contenders, but I think that the sort of the strange scheduling of the past few months has made it sort of hard. There's usually by this point in the year, one wrestler who really sticks out, at least in my mind, you know, last year it was Seri after she had that series of great matches with Mako and Chihiro in Sendai Girls. There hasn't really, I think, been that person in Joshi this year. I mean, Choco Pro has had Yuna Mizumori who's had a great uh, string of matches. I think there's a lot of contenders, but interesting to see if over the last few months, now that we've sort of returned to a sort of normal, if someone's able to pull away and have a, a number of good matches and really claim stake to uh greatest Joshi wrestler right now.
3: That was a great answer, Taylor. I um, I mean, Momo Watanabe is my favorite wrestler in the world, not just my favorite Joshi wrestler, but there's, I really can't make an argument that she's had that level of year, uh, this year, definitely. You talked about, uh, Sari, who it's also hard to make that argument because she missed most of the year. Um, Fujimoto is one that I really like a lot. I would put her up toward the top,
2: uh, Asuka. Did you talk about Asuka? Oh, no, I didn't even. I mean, Asuka could could definitely be up there. You're totally right.
3: Asuka is one that I would certainly. um, And then, uh, you know, this is a boring answer, but Mayu Uitani is also one of the best uh, in the world. So those are some of my thoughts. Uh, Who's the best tag team in Joshi? And why is it Boss to Mammy? This is from Ice Age Coming. Is this from the VOW Discord? This is in the VOW Discord. Yes. The uh, the. Which channel, the JBA channel or the Joshi channel?
2: The Joshi channel. Okay, um, I put po- I posted the the sort of call for questions in both. Okay, so uh, well, my answer is, I mean, I'm always partial to best friends. I think it's two great singles wrestlers in Arisa Nakajima and Sukasa Fujimoto, who are very good and. Uh, from what I just said, we'll have an opportunity to prove it when they have the tag title match and seedling coming up. Although Boston Mammy was very good before Mio got injured, they were a ton of fun. So I am really looking forward to see more of them now that Mio has come back. Hmm. Who are who are my favorite tag
3: teams? See, I really should have thought about this. Best friends is a good is a good pull. Beast friends is a good one. Uh, I don't know. I don't really have any thoughts about this, Taylor. I'm sorry. I'm disappointing the fans. But I needed to think about this more. Uh, okay. I'm just I'm just moving on.
2: Uh, well, well, we can we can also say hopefully based on their first match, Luminous will hopefully. Oh yeah. maybe, uh, You know, make a good showing. I'm looking forward to that team defending their title successfully, hopefully many times in the coming months. I agree. What Joshi Promotions house style do you think
3: appeals to you the best? Uh, this is a two-parter. And how much longer does Natsko's chain need to be to take her to the next level? This is Mike CC Gladwing from the VOW Discord.
2: Well, I'll say that my promo- the house style that appeals to me best is seedling. I like that. It's just sort of a no nonsense go out there and, you know, have a knockdown drag out fight seems to be that. That's sort of the house style, although also they have the variety. They have the high speed matches, which is also something I appreciate in a promotion, which is that you can look at a card and see a variety of styles. So it's not just one certain type, you know, they have the high speed, they have the big singles matches, they have these multi-person faction matches that have been going on. So definitely seedling. I mean, I think seedling, again, it seems like every year they add on these pieces that make them uh, better and better. As to the question about how long the chain needs to be um, to take her to the next level, it it seems like Aaron and I's answer would be it needs to be shorter.
3: Yes, or uh, long enough to lock her in the locker room so that she can't (laughs) come out for matches. Uh the Joshi promotions that most appeal to me, yeah, the the Seedling like main event style. I my favorite kind of matches are uh where two people just absolutely knock the shit out of each other. That's what I like to watch. So, I think Seedling does that well. Sendai Girls often does that well in their main events. Um so that's what I like. And I mean, that's kind of a a classic thing in in Joshi, I think, and some of the promotions. So, that's why it generally appeals to me. But, yeah, I just want people to – I want to – I want everybody to be safe, but I want to believe that people are, like, really getting hurt. <laughs> That's what I like to see. <laughs> so, uh, if they don't make it to the – or if they don't make it at the five-star GP finals, any guesses on what Stardom's big announcement is? Do they have a – this is from Niagara Driver in the, uh,
2: in the Discord – um, was, is there a big announcement that I'm not aware of? I think they did. Te- I think they sort of tease something on Twitter or some, something of that. I don't know if it was that Julia announcement of, of okay. quadruple X. I don't know. Maybe it's another show that's coming up as Aaron, as you said, there's been some rumblings of Bushy Rhodes, um, regret maybe would be the word. I don't know if maybe it would have to do with that. I don't know. It could have been, you know, the big announcement could have been, oh, Quadruple X is coming in. Don't know.
3: Yeah. Or they could just be announcing an even bigger show than the the Yokohama show. You know, that's kind of what I would think as a possibility. Or something I was going to mention this later, but uh, I don't know if this qualifies. But what do you think about a draft coming up now, a unit draft?
2: See, I just don't really, I think with a unit that's going to, you know, they're going to disband a unit, it's probably most likely going to be Tokyo Cyber Squad. I just don't see much to, okay, you disband the unit, probably something major is going to happen there. And then you draft people again, like in a month, but you've already sort of, re- I I feel like the reshuffling is going to come with this disbandment of Tokyo Cyber Squad that they don't really need a draft this year. Yeah, but
3: how are you going to re um realign the Tokyo Cyber Squad members? Obviously there's the possibility that one of them is going to jump to Edo Tai, but
2: what about everybody else? Well, I think you can just have them. I mean, they could just be free for a while and then they say, "Oh, you want to join, you know, this per, you know, you want to join this faction?" Sure. I mean, Riho's been in the company for a year and she seemingly is still going around going, Oh, maybe I could be in Queens quest. Uh, you know, Oh, that sounds fun. And doing whatever she's doing. So, I mean, I don't think the draft is the only way to move the the people around in the promotion. Oh, but it would be fun. I mean, they didn't have one this year. Well, sure. So, the draft is always fun, but it's enjoyable. Uh, yeah. Niagara
3: driver continues. What do you make of their recent scheduling? Two cork ones a month, Osaka 80 on every month, big shows in Yokohama and Sendai coming up. Are they just catching up slash dealing with COVID or is it a shift in how they want to do things?
2: Well, it's a bit difficult because if it was regular times, we could see what they were drawing and we could make a determination of, is this a good idea or, you know, what are they doing? I think this I think it is not having to deal with COVID. I think it's a bushy road thing where they want to start running shows and they want to draw fans and they want to make more money off the promotion. Um, You know, it's some of, I guess a little bit of it could be, okay, we've dealt with this COVID thing. We have to sort of move things around and we happen to have a lot of shows coming up that are big just because of the way scheduling works. But I think we're going to see more and more, we're going to see a bigger number of shows and we're going to see bigger shows happening as Bushy Road tries to sort of bring stardom to the next level.
3: Yeah, it feels I mean it seems like too much to me, frankly, but you're right, we we don't know because of uh the fact that they can't have full houses, but two I mean they're doing Corrigans within like 10 days of each other and it seems insane to me. Uh, I think one Corrigan a month is a pretty good pretty good schedule, but uh, we'll see. They're trying to get bigger and the whole Bushy Road thing seemed to be working early on. If Bushy Road pulls out, I think that makes everything a lot more interesting. Uh, so I guess we just don't know right now. We're going to kind of have to wait and see. Uh, all right. We also took questions on Twitter. Uh, here's the first one. This is for you, Taylor. Is Bigfoot real? This is from
2: Benal on Twitter. Here's what I have to say. Could Bigfoot have been something many years ago i guess he could have been but i i can't believe that bigfoot would be real because if he was real and in the year 2020 with everything we have technology wise and everyone being everywhere you know people you know there's like ten thousand people on mount everest every year which used to be no one went there it would be shocking to me that no one that the animal first of all that whatever this creature is would be sort of smart enough to avoid detection all this years, or that someone wouldn't stumble into this and be like, hey, I have a camera phone, snap a photo, here it is, look, there's proof. That's my, that's my belief. Wow, this is not the way I expected you to go. You thought I would say it was real?
3: I don't know, I just mean like, uh, I mean... Come on, I think you could have been more creative with your answer, I guess, is all I'm
2: saying. Technology? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be creative. I'm trying to answer the question. <laughs> well, that's where this you're going wrong. This isn't a creative writing seminar. We're, we're, doing, to... we're doing an entertainment uh, medium here. Aaron, so. I, respect, I respect our listeners too much <laughs> to make a joke of their seriously asked questions to us. <laughs> okay. All right.
3: Fine. Thank you, uh, Benal. I hope I'm pronouncing that right for the question. Uh, we got a few questions from um, a friend of the show, Tim Dogg. He asks, are Stardom and Tokyo Joshi Pro submitted as the top two promotions in Joshi, or will another one rise up to that level? If so, which one?
2: Well, I think that Ice Ribbon is sort of sometimes under thought of because they run a lot of shows. They draw pretty well. I mean, during regular times, they draw fairly well at Corican. I mean, they run so many shows. I mean, they run like three shows a week, seemingly every week. And they have the big shows. You know, they had the Yokohama show, um, which did well. Now, I don't know if they're in the top two, but I could see them, you know, if someone like Suzu really catches on and people really get into Suzu's title reign. You know, that could be something where it goes one, two. I mean, it is a little bit hard to break to that level because Stardom and Tokyo Joshi are backed by huge companies which these other promotions aren't. So they have a bit more leeway to throw money at new wrestlers or issues or venues or things like that. It's a little bit easier to, you know, just say, Oh, we want to run more shows because we want to make more money. Okay. Well, we have the money to back that up where some promotions, you know, running more shows might put them in the red. So I always think it's possible, you know, seedling now with Yoshiko Becoming a big star. I guess they could, you know, get big. But I think as long as Stardom and Tokyo Joshi have the backing of these big companies, they're going to have a huge advantage in terms of being at the top of the Joshi world.
3: Yeah, I think the money is just probably too much to overcome. Uh, But Tokyo Joshi Pro doesn't seem that invested in like being at the top of the food chain in Joshi. Like they're not signing people. I mean, they just let. You know, two people go who are um, at least one of them is like one of the better wrestlers that they have. So they don't seem to be like, um, you know, really pulling people in the way that stardom has been since they got the Road money. So I think TJPW could pretty easily be um, overcome if the right circumstances presented themselves. Will Nyla Rose's history with Marvelous result in AEW working with Marvelous when the pandemic ends? Uh, Tim says to him, it could be mutually beneficial and sending some of AEW's greener women to train with Chigusa and Takumi would help them tremendously.
2: I mean, I agree it would help them tremendously. I don't know how much of a connection Nyla Rose. I mean, she did work there for a while. I don't know if she could go to who at this point, if she could go to, you know brandy roads and say hey let's send some people to mark this this small joshi company in japan i mean certainly not now but obviously when the pandemic ends i think it would benefit them tremendously i think that Chagusa uh, chigusa has done a lot of good for a lot of visiting wrestlers and a lot of the young um wrestlers their track record has shown that she is an excellent trainer um I mean, at this point, with some of those greener women in, in AEW, I think really any additional work would probably help them beyond having the one or two matches they're having a week. Um, so I'd like to see it. Will it happen? I don't think so. It just seems it seems unlikely to me, even though I do think it would be helpful. I will say Nyla
3: went and worked marvelous like after she signed with AEW. So there's at least some... Whatever. They were able to work together in that way. But yeah, we talk a ton on everything elite about the fact that AEW, with a lot of their uh, lesser experienced wrestlers, could benefit greatly from a uh, relationship with uh, Joshi company and a men's company to just send people to work for a bit. So I would love to see something like that. Uh, Tim also asked about Micah's performance in the tournament, but we, I think we covered that uh, extensively up top. Uh, Bish 137 whose idea this was, by the way, uh, for us to take questions, which we will will do going forward, I think, said, are they still running Shuri versus Mayu world title match in Osaka? They are. He comments, seems silly to do it after the five star instead of giving the winner the next shot. Uh, I think that's true, but they pretty often will kind of do these placeholder title shots that are obviously not in doubt. Uh, They just, uh, I believe they have data that shows that their matches with with title matches, or their shows with title matches draw better. So they do a lot of title matches. And uh, this is another one. And so it is kind of silly, but I think it works for their business. And it should be a good match anyway. So it's fine with me.
2: Yeah, there's also the question of we said, we don't know what Siri's deal is. If maybe she said to them, hey, in November, I'm going to leave the promotion or they said sign by us you know, sign with us by November or we, you know, we'll let you go. And she said, well, I want to stay freelance. I don't know if that's the case. It might not be the case, but it seems like it's a match that will do well. It'll be a good match. So if that would be the case or you're worried about her leaving or signing officially somewhere else, you might as well run the big match out with Mayu and and get something out of it before she goes somewhere else. That might not be the case, but that would be really my only thought as to maybe another reason why they might do it now instead of giving it to Utami right away.
3: Uh, JBS137 also asks, why does Stardom insist on waiting days to upload a show and not airing a major show like the five-star final live? Why do they upload batch by match? Buddy, I wish I knew. Um, I mean, I think they upload it match by batch because they want to get them out as quickly as they can. I think basically... You have a very small setup where, as far as I know, one guy basically translates the promos, the pre-match promos, the post-match promos, gets those put up, and then they ship out that match, they upload that, and then he moves on to the next match. It's the best I can tell. Um, I don't know. I've just kind of become used to it. So you know, it just is what it is. But uh, I certainly would love to watch their shows live. I mean, they did know Gate live, and then nothing since then have they done live. So I have no idea.
2: Yeah. And it's, I don't know if part of it was because the whole stardom streaming started on YouTube. And I don't know if part of it was because they didn't want to upload two hour videos to YouTube or something like that. And they've been on a number of streaming sites. You know, it's very nice that they translate these promos and they put them up. But to me, what I would do, if I were stardom, I would say we're going to stream these live and We won't show, you know, we won't show the promos. You won't have those. If you want the promos, we'll upload them, but it will take a couple days. But if you just want to watch the, you know, if you just want to see the matches, if you want to see what happens, then we'll air them live. I mean, that seems like a fairly good, I guess, compromise on both ideas. Also, they have an English Stardom Twitter account, which is tweeting about the shows anyway. So you would think if they aired the shows live, that Twitter could tweet out at least a summation of any sort of important promo that happens, you know, for this show could just say, hey, in that promo, Julia said a new wrestler is coming to Donna Del Mondo. And that's all you need. I mean, that's what the, I mean, it's not an official account, what the unofficial DDT English account does for the Tokyo Joshi shows, which have a lot more talking in them and sort of a lot more that you need to catch on with in terms of what they're saying during the show. I mean, largely, the promos are nice, especially for the five-star, but you're not, if you missed, if you didn't watch any of those promos for the matches, I don't think there's really any match where you would go, I don't understand what's happening, because they're just tournament matches. Yeah, and even like, I mean, how many promotions do we watch
3: where we don't have English translation? So it's just like, Okay, this other person came out and challenged and they're probably going to have a match in the future. (laughs) You know, like uh, that's mostly what happens after matches. Yes, it's nice to get like the fighter points, but sometimes the finer points are Tom responding to Julia and saying, actually, you're the trash that floats through space. So I'm not really sure what that adds. I mean, it like made me laugh, but I'm not sure that it, you know, really changed uh, the game for me. So. Yeah, it's just a weird thing. I think it's mostly stuck in. They have this one dude who does this, and he has decided to do it this way. That's just how it's going to be. So,
2: yeah, and I think I know. you know, if I were the promotion, I would think about, you know, you often say, "Wow, a big stardom show is coming up to you know tomorrow to someone who maybe hasn't watched and would be interested in watching," and they say, "Great, when can I watch it?" And you're like, "Well." Uh, you know maybe two matches will be up in two days and then a third match and maybe you know all the matches will be up on thursday and if you're a new person you're like by thursday you might have two other shows that you really want to watch and then all of a sudden you're like well never mind about that because if i can't watch the show now then i'll just move on and do something else absolutely yeah i think it's bad
3: for the promotion but that's how it is uh At Oscar7Mex also asks, is there any chance Natsumi and Ormina jumped to any other promotions? We have discussed that, but I wanted to uh, thank Oscar for the question. Thank everybody for the questions. We'll try to do these going forward. So we'll put out the call, you know, a day or two before we record. All right. Upcoming shows. The Assemble show is happening on 10-1, but we'll, we'll record again before then, won't we?
2: No, I think our next recording is on October 3rd. Oh, okay. Right. Now, here's here's the issue with the show is, unless I've missed something, I don't know if it's airing, when it's airing, who's airing it. Uh, I don't know if they're holding off on that to see how many tickets they can sell uh, to the actual show itself before saying where it would be. I would assume it's a major show with this you know super group of promotions. I would think some some you know, Samurai would want it, or I don't know if it's because it's many promotions, if there's issues between, you know, Oz airs on Gayora and others may air on, you know, sometimes Seedling airs on Samurai, if they could do it on Nico, I don't know if there's that issue, but I would think, or I would hope, hope and think, they would want to air this somewhere, and I really hope it does air, because it's a big sort of, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with this promotion, but it's a monumental show. If this promotion ends up taking off and really, you know, doing a lot of stuff, you want this first show to be aired somewhere. Um, but they have announced most of the card for the show. Um, each, as we mentioned last show, each promotion is getting sort of their own showcase match um, due to a lot due to trying to prevent any covid outbreaks so it's just going to be promotional matches oz is sending a tag match mayumi Ozaki and Sayuri ano versus akino and sonoko kato uh, the ring announcer for that match will be Daino kansai um, pure j is sending leon and Raideen hagane uh, facing off against maname katsu and marimanji Marvelous sending a six person match. This match sounds really good and I think could be the highlight of the show. Takumi Aroha, Rin Katakura, and Maria going up against Mio Momono, Makoto Shindo, and Mei Hoshizuki. Um, Sendai Girl sending Mako Satamora Chizako and Yurika Oka against Chihiro Hashimoto, Manami, and Natsuhou Kaneko. And Seedling. A tag match, Yoshiko and Honori Hana against Arisa Nakajima and Riko Kaiju with Natsuki Tayo as the special guest referee. I'm going to put up a um, they will be announcing, I think, one more match, which is going to contain the freelancers, which is Asuka um, and maybe a couple other people. Once that goes up, I will be doing a written preview on Voices of Wrestling, so check that out if you're not familiar with any of those promotions. I'll be going in-depth into all of those, so check that out. Stardom is not slowing down. You know, I figured after the five-star, I was like, wow, the five-star is over. What's next? A show that's happening in two days. Uh, The five-star special in Osaka with... A Artist of Stardom title match, Donna Del Mundo, going up against Mayu Iwatani, Tom Nakano, and Starlight Kid. And a special singles match, Himika and Jungle Kiona. They have another Korokin show on 928 with, as we mentioned, the big Tokyo Cyber Squad and Oedo Tai unit disband match. And then on October 3rd, the big Yokohama Cinderella show, Mayu versus Siri for the World of Tida, World of Stardom title. Julia versus Tom for the Wonder of Stardom title with also the debuting new Dono Del Mundo member. Himika and Micah versus Utami and Sayakamatani for the Goddess of Stardom title. Azumi versus Starlight Kid for the High Speed title. And Momo versus B for the SWA title. So that is the upcoming Stardom schedule. Seedling has their big 924 show headlined by Yoshiko versus Seri. Um, rest of the card looks pretty fun. A good collection of wrestlers. Maya Yukihi's going to be on that show. They're going to have a six person semi main, Arisa Nakajima, Tsukasha Fujimoto, and Rina Yamashita against Hiroyo Matsumoto Yu and Ayame Sasamura. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, Tokyo Joshi has that B-Stars versus Daydream tag title match on their September 21st show, which is coming up. The semi-main is Yuka Sakazaki and Shoko Nakajima against Mizuki and Maki Ito. So four big stars. Looks like they're going to start getting ready for the uh, big Yuka-Mizuki title match coming up at their big show in November. Already mentioned this last show, but coming up, um, tomorrow and the day after. Sendai Girls is running their rookie tournament. Diana has a show on the 27th. Seri will be back facing Haruka Umasaki. That's the big match of that show. That should be really good. Hopefully that will be on their YouTube. And Chaco Pro has a number of shows coming up. Their 50th show coming up on September 27th. Hard to believe that they've run... <laughs> 50 shows since all of this started also 51 on September 30th and 52 on October 2nd. So a lot of really fun stuff coming up in the world of Joshi wrestling. And we'll
3: talk about all or
2: most of it, at least
3: <laughs> right here on this show. So yeah, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Uh, I think we've reached the end of the show. Is there anything else you want to talk about Taylor before we go? I think we covered it all. All right. Well, make sure you follow us on Twitter at jbombaudio. I'm at Aaron like the car. Taylor's at Tay Mambo. Subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review on the Apple Podcast app. And if you enjoy the show and you'd like to donate, you can go to redcircle.com shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. So that's it. See you guys. Bye-bye.